0: Ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good. Here's Foggy.
1: Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 75, the Diamond Anniversary of Podcasts. Tonight's episode is probably hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. 75 years ago today, the U.S. dropped a bomb on Hiroshima. Tonight, we're dropping an epic bomb in the form of Who's That Band, Lester Bang Style. Reminiscing about Motorhead on the heels of their 40th anniversary of Ace of Spades. And we review Pusifer's latest offering, Existential Reckoning. I'm your host, Foggy. And with me, as always, is JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Hello, everybody. It's JPP. I really got to go to the bathroom and pee. Yo, everybody. It's JPP. Now, if you will excuse me. And the one and only Metalhead Mundy. Step inside into his
2: mind. It's boy time. It's
0: Metalhead Mundy. Yeah, I'm not doing any of that. Where, where are your sound effects, Mundy? I would just like to point out that he rhymed P with P.
1: He did. So. That's lazy. That's lazy writing.
2: <laughs> However, the letter P is different from having to be P.
0: Oh, now, sure.
1: Excuse me. <laughs> Is that a homonym, <laughs> yeah. homina, homina, homina. <laughs> I love homina grits. Oh, wait a minute, that's not right. We are from Indiana, so hominy grits uh, jokes they fly here. I don't know elsewhere, but
0: they don't fly with me. Grits are gross. Kiss my grits. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Flo. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, we don't get out much, guys. Sorry, we're in inside joke land. You know, when you're in a pandemic, that's the only jokes that fly—the inside jokes.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I love the pandemic
2: yeah right on so yeah how's everyone doing what's been happening in y'all's worlds
0: well not a lot I was uh, late to work Friday because I had turned my alarm off and forgot to turn it back on so that was probably the first time I was late to work in several years Wow so yeah nice not a nice. fun start to the day, but like I said, that doesn't happen often. So my boss was cool about it.
2: That's cool. Well, good for you. Wait, way, way to uh,
0: you know slack every once in a great, great while. <laughs> I woke up and it was daylight out. I was like, "Oh, that's not good." <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oops. Well, that happens to me all the time. One of the perils of working from home is sometimes it's like, "Oh, I got to clock in in five minutes." I roll right out of bed, get my coffee, and go sit at my desk.
1: Yeah, same prop oh no never mind <laughs> well I've uh I've been a principal now for all of a week and a half and uh, we just closed our school for two weeks because yeah. the uh, the kitchen staff tested positive yep. so we can't serve food so oh man we'll, we'll be out for a couple weeks so that's interesting
0: but, oh, yeah
2: that's that's rough and phew, yeah that's something that's uh we're, we're Trying to figure out what next semester is going to look like, virtual or in house, you know, in school and that kind of thing. And
1: it's, I don't think we're going to be normal for at least a year. No. I honestly do not think that we'll have. I don't think we'll have any kind of a cure. I don't think we'll have uh, anything that's like readily tested by the FDA, ready to go this spring. I think it's going to be at least summer or next fall. So I don't. I don't see any Probably. normality for a while.
2: No. Yeah. No, nor do I. Okay. So we'll yeah. just. Keep an eye on the radar and trust our guts. All I can do.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of schools in this area that are shut down for a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Couple- we'll we'll try to go back and we'll do our thing, and you just never know. I mean, it doesn't take much. Uh, it's when the staff gets it's the biggest problem. Right. You know, got to keep everybody safe and
2: hope hope they all recover speedily.
1: Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's enough negativity for one night. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about tonight. That's right. We, we do. We're celebrating greatness in Motorhead and Lester Bangs and uh, <laughs> and doing our typical album review. But let's get started with the uh, the challenge inspired by Lester Bangs. Are you guys ready? I'm oh ready. Yeah. Always. Okay. This is going to be a race. This is so easy that, oh my gosh.
2: Triclops I, is
1: ready. He, he can get this easily. No, actually... <laughs> raise your hand when you know and i don't think it'll take long both of you are going to get this one are you ready Ready. right but you have to listen to the end because i think the last part's really cool here we go this band has one song sometimes it's fast sometimes it's slow but it's basically unchanged after many years its sound is recognizable within seconds the drums are driving and utilitarian Guitars run 1950s Boogie Woogie, 1970s Dinosaur Rock, Three Chord Punk, and Proto Heavy Metal through Cranked Stacks. Leading the charge are this front man's trademark Rickenbacker bass, distorted like a guitar, with everything turned all the way up, and his equally gruff vocals. I think that was a tie, gentlemen. (laughs) The lead singer's microphone stand is impossibly high, so that he looks like he's singing to the sky. This group song is an electric missile with a three-minute trajectory. The lead singer considered the band a faster, louder offshoot of his favorite artists, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, and Chuck Berry. And both of you raised your hand. (laughs) I knew you'd get it quickly, but uh, go ahead. uh, Who wants to take it? Because you was a tie
0: oh i don't i mean i it was it's motorhead, motorhead. we're just talking about the band it's motorhead
1: indeed i thought that would just be a great uh <laughs> intro into our talk about motorhead
0: yeah Well, you touched on a lot of things there that i love about them so <laughs> we could just roll right into the challenge then and talk about everything <laughs> yeah, before,
2: before I... we do let me just say regrettably one of the bands i never got to see live
0: yeah oh, i did <laughs> well, that's that's good good for you. But
1: it was a wrestling event. <laughs>
0: yeah. Unfortunately, it was not at one of their shows, but uh it was at uh I think it was Mayhem Fest or something. Oh, gotcha. So Still? but they were awesome.
2: Yeah, a buddy of mine caught him on their last tour before Lemmy passed at the the um old national, I wanna say the murat and mm-hmm. he, he got a picture backstage of Lemmy walking by and he looked rough. Oh, yeah. And he was definitely burning the midnight oil there, to say the least, and doing what he loved. So you got to commend the guy for that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're old school in their approach. I mean, the constant touring, the the speed. I mean, the taking of the speed to keep up and keep going <laughs> and the drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, hard, hardcore lifestyles. They're so bad, baby, they don't care. That's right. It is right. Um, Were you surprised at all with the Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, and Chuck Berry, or had you heard that before?
0: Oh no, I know. Yeah, I know all about that. He was a huge, huge, huge fan of that stuff, and he actually he had a side project band called the Head Cat, which was was him, Slim Jim Phantom from uh, Stray Cats, and Mm. I want to say, is it Danny B. Harvey, maybe on guitar, perhaps, but. But uh-huh. it's a three-piece, and it they did all, it was all 50s covers, like Rockabilly covers.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. Let's
0: it's that really out. good. It actually, Lemmy sounds pretty good. It's a very different delivery from Motorhead.
1: I just looked it up
2: for you. Yeah, it was uh Slim Jim Phantom, Danny B. Harvey. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And um looks like David Vincent
1: is involved with the project at this time. Okay. So. Well, how was how was Lemmy
0: different on the headcat stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, his delivery, his singing delivery. He like he it's let. I mean, Lemmy is Lemmy. He's gonna sound like Lemmy no matter what. Right. But it's more, it's in more of a higher register than he usually does. It's less of the gruff. It's more like I mean, it. They're singing. They're covering all '50s songs and they're doing it in that rockabilly style so Hmm. yeah it's very different i would recommend checking it out
1: yeah i definitely will that's cool
2: i didn't know that how would you compare it to danzig singing elvis
0: (laughs) um better hmm, i would say much less of a vanity project (laughs) Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah uh yeah i would say i could tolerate the head cat a lot more (laughs)
1: got it <laughs> <laughs> i think um, it would be really fun at some point to go back through all of the albums that we have listened to so far and just figure out which ones we have actually gone back and listened to a couple yeah times. yeah yeah cool anyway that would be fun we digress <laughs> we need to get back to where we are back so work. um we're a little different in age so i guess where did we all first encounter motorhead
0: Ooh, go ahead, Paul. Well, I can you just know.
1: I can just say first of all because I'm the oldest here. I'm, I'm 32, and um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: go ahead, Grant.
1: Oh, we're about 50. So anyway, when I first encountered them, I'm going to tell you I was in a headspace that wasn't ready for Motorhead, and because uh, I was, gosh, this was probably an 80ish, 81 somewhere in there, nowhere near ready. So my first real introduction where I started to enjoy him and get it was really headbangers ball later on. And so that's where I really picked up on it. And, uh, was, uh, that would have been probably my junior, senior year of high school. And then in college, um, late eighties for me. Nice. Yeah. I,
2: I'm trying to remember Th- there was mention of them quite a bit. Of course, I was getting into Metallica mm-hmm. in the late eighties. And of course hearing Lars talk about the new wave of British heavy metal and their love of motorhead. And, so i was aware of who they were and as a young teen who uh needed a ride to the record store and you know had discerning parents on what i could and couldn't buy sometimes it was access was limited however my brother was a huge maiden fan and i told him i was wanting to check them out and he let me borrow a cassette and so um definitely heard ace of spades in that first round and uh was instantly hooked for sure and as somebody who grew to love sod and that fast-paced energy i i loved the rawness of motorhead and not having a sense of chronology or history at that time i i made kind of a loose comparison between the two because of, a, they were raw they were fast and they were heavy and uh but all i knew was it had those components and i loved it
0: yeah i similar um uh, you know the metallica thing like they've never they've never shied away from you know their love of motorhead and all of that stuff and that is probably where i first heard of them and i mean just seeing you know getting into metal in the late 80s early 90s everybody was wearing motorhead shirts and you know uh, but then also um, a band that we really got into around 91 was sepultura mm-hmm sepultura covered the motorhead song orgasmatron and i was like what is this and that mm-hmm. really kind of made me go back and do a little bit of a deep dive and then of course you know it's ace of spades is uh, i mean that's just iconic and mm-hmm. this you know kind of fell in love with uh lemmy and the sound and all that
2: Yep. And I kind of
0: kind of was able to go back and like dive into how much they influenced like all the other stuff I was listening to coming out of the seventies and stuff.
2: Yeah. Sorry. There was a lag. So I apologize if I stepped on you there. Uh, I was going to say, one thing that I, I definitely recall is they were obviously well established by the time we picked them up. And I think 1916 was more the contemporary release when we were um, mm-hmm. in that timeframe of becoming very aware and yeah. avid consumers of them. So um, great release too, by the way.
1: Yep. Yes. So that no voices in the sky.
0: hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. hmm.
1: It's interesting he- um, when we talk about, each of you talking about, you know, them as, you know, this kind of raw music or whatever that we haven't want to show with Pusifer. <laughs> talking about your all like, on the yeah. <laughs> They're so opposite and polar. You know, and one of the things that I found interesting is that, um, you know, they, they seem very raw and um, straightforward, but they still dedicated a lot to the studio. I mean, they said they, like, recorded songs 45 times to get the right one, you know. So it wasn't like they weren't, you know, addicted to making just the right music, but, um, it definitely came across as just raw and we're doing it, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, I think, I think a lot of that comes from them being so legendary of, uh, such a legendary stage presence. I mean, they I, they perform in front of just a wall of, you know, cabinets and they were often called like, you know, the loudest band ever and just it, it's their three piece. So there's not a lot of fluff. It's and you know, you got Lemmy up there with that huge, well, it looks huge mm-hmm. that Rickenbacker, big old mm-hmm. Rickenbacker bass. And the you know, you touched on the mic stand, how he stand there with his head back and just like he's singing to the sky. And I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's definitely you got the, the drummers always like on the riser in the back in the middle. And then you got, you know, Lemmy's on one side, guitarist on the other.
2: Yeah. So. <clears throat> there, there's something interesting here i'm about to say uh in that live you you see their presence on stage it commands respect right i mean it just it hits you like an army like like you said it's three-piece but it's huge and it and it really belts you in the face another artist completely on the opposite end of the spectrum that also commands respect when i see him live is springsteen you know the way he his band mm-hmm. performs live that that stage presence and that passion that's there is equal to motorhead to me in in that they work hard to deliver they translate their studio recordings much like they are live i mean it's a a band with integrity motorhead's the same way different sound but nonetheless i mean that that's kind of a rare gem uh in a lot of music these days but both bands had that similar work ethic and drive to to make sure that it was consistent
1: so ace of spades aside what would you say is your favorite song or couple of songs because i know they're (laughs) quite a catalog
0: okay so before we do that let me just officially say that my quote unquote challenge this week was not really a challenge it's basically you know so uh on today's date and today is what the 8th november 8th 1980 Mm -hmm. so 40 years ago uh motorhead released the ace of spades album So I basically just asked the guys to pick out, you know, like your favorite couple of Motorhead songs and talk about some uh, some of the stuff you remember, like uh, antics or stories or whatever you've heard over the years that you enjoyed about Motorhead. So that's what we're doing.
2: Cool. Right on. Well, I'll definitely say, you know, of course, Ace of Spades is, is, you know, gospel when it comes to Motorhead, but I love Overkill. That's a great mm-hmm. tune. Yeah. Um, Built for Speeds. Great. Orgasmatron, of course. Um, I love the 1916 album. I'm so bad, baby. I don't care. That's friggin' awesome. Um, and, you know, and plus I kind of felt like, Hey, this is my Motorhead because, you know, I was there when it came out and that really got me especially hooked at that time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know that there's not much i i dislike from motorhead i definitely in, enjoy them and even on their last album they had some really good stuff but lemmy did sound tired on on the album for sure but uh they still delivered
1: yeah i would uh concur with overkill one of my favorites yeah uh, i think my absolute favorite might be born to raise hell love that song Right on, Yeah, <laughs> um, that's great and i love some of the the i shouldn't say softer because like god was never on your side is super heavy but his voice—it kind of reminds me of like Cash when he got older. It's gruff, but it just yes. sounds amazing. And uh, I ain't no nice guy. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. I love that. Um, and as corny as it is, um, I, well, I shouldn't say it's corny. It became more corny when Triple H got it. But the game is such a good song, and I—it mm-hmm. would be. I'd love to see somebody do a walkout with UFC right now for that song. I think that'd be so cool. Um, and he did some good covers too. Sympathy for the Devil yeah such a good cover Mm i love that one
0: yeah i i mean you guys have touched on a lot of the ones i love overkill is cool it was kind of i love the way it starts out with the double bass that was one of the Mm -hmm. early double bass a lot of the later like speed thrash drummers have cited that song with you know the double bass falling in love with that sound and then of course uh born to raise hell like that was uh, paul and i are the same age that so that 1916 album hit pretty hard for us Mm -hmm. that's a great song i mean i've already said ace of spades is iconic um but yeah and there's um i love uh their version of hellraiser because uh some Mm -hmm. a lot of people know not everybody does but that uh, Ozzy's album No More Tears, Lemmy wrote a ton of that, and so Hellraiser was one of the songs that he wrote. And, uh, you know, af- after No More Tears came out, then when they did, I think that's on 1916
2: as well. Hellraiser, been, yeah, same time, actually, right?
0: But so. if it's not on that, then it's on a Hellraiser soundtrack because they did, it. but anyway, so uh lemmy and motorhead recorded their own version of it It, and it's pretty much the same song they didn't really change that much it just sounds like motorhead doing it but the video i always love the video because he's like playing chess or something with uh pinhead and it's it's just (laughs) funny because it was in a hellraiser movie at that time but yeah there's just so many songs uh what's another one uh is it called is it too late too late like that one but i think uh, so. yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot of great ones
2: one of my favorite so, stories sorry uh, uh that i've heard was it comes from Scotty in when he met lemmy for the first time mm-hmm. and lemmy was wearing daisy duke esque shorts they were super duper short and <laughs> uh, scotty asked him what's with the shorts man he's like what? It's hot outside. These are shorts. And he's, you know, Scott's wearing like the skateboard jammers that kind of come down past the knees. And he's like, those are pants. These are shorts. <laughs> and it's just like a you know, shorts, pants, shorts, pants. But just to hear Scott tell that story is just absolutely hilarious. And you can totally hear uh Lemmy busting his balls across
1: the board. <laughs> um yes, I went back uh and just went to YouTube just to see. I didn't realize he was on headbanger's ball so many times.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, And they're a little awkward, which is weird. But then I was, I just searched Headbangers Ball. I didn't realize that it had gone on on MTV2 until like 2017.
0: Oh, yeah. Jamie Josta was the host. Mm -hmm. Well, he was the
1: host until like 2009 or something, I thought. But it kept going on and on after him even.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I had to completely lost. I hadn't watched MTV on anything for forever. And I was just thinking right before that, I was like, and that would be great to bring that back. <laughs> oh, it yeah. just left. Missed out on it, I guess.
2: Oh, yeah. I I never caught much of the more contemporary Headbangers ball. I saw bits of it in college, but um, the Rackman era, certainly. Monday yeah. night I would be on the phone, like, just quiet and just watching together so we could have give each mm-hmm. other commentary on certain things as it happened.
0: Oh yeah, I know. I think you did too, but I used to sit with the VCR like poised and, mm-hmm. would, and I had it on the the SP setting. So it oh, was yeah. like there, like six or eight hours of videos <laughs> yeah. on the. Yep. And the quality is terrible when you slow it down that much. It's, it was so EP, bad. wasn't
1: it? Wasn't SP the short play, which was like two hours, and then EP was six hours
2: extended play, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I yeah, did the same
1: thing. <laughs>
2: yep. But oh yeah. yeah. I I remember Entombed was a band I was always trying to get their video. Finally nabbed that Flotsam mm-hmm. and, and Jetsam, you know, all that good stuff. And shout out to Ricky for always giving those bands a chance. You know, like he he really fought to get some of those bands some airplay, which was awesome. And you could tell when he hated the band. All right, we're about ready to
1: play Trickster. <laughs>
0: <Or whatever. laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's well, how that- excited
0: I was to hear Trickster. So yeah, well, we saw them live, so woohoo. Um, but uh yeah it's funny actually he has done ricky rockman has done in the last year or year and a half he started doing a couple of podcasts and Mm -hmm. he's talked about headbangers quite a bit and that's one thing he always said he was like you know He's like, I, I, there were bands that I did love that I tried to get on there. And he's like, I couldn't get everybody on there. And I really didn't pick the videos. So if they're playing garbage, then that's what they told me to play. So that's what we had to play.
1: And yep. well, that Yeah, you got your rotation just like radio. I mean, you can't get around yeah. of that. So but, yep. um, Well, that was... Yeah, the, you guys should go back and check those out with Lemmy on there. They're a little awkward and interesting. but Yeah, that's
0: funny. I One thing, too, uh, that was, you know, I touched on him writing a lot with Ozzy, and he did that with a few bands. One I always liked, too, was um, Lita Ford's big album, Lita. He wrote I th- maybe a couple of songs on there, but there's one on there called Can't Catch Me that is really, really good. It's kind of, it's a pretty fast, you know, fast paced song. And it's, it's uh, pretty rocking, but it's funny to think that he wrote some stuff for her as well.
1: Did he write the music or the lyrics?
0: I think both.
1: Mm, Okay. Uh,
0: um, And also one that most people wouldn't think that he wrote was, uh, I, I believe he wrote all of the lyrics for Mama, I'm Coming Home. Oh, wow. Really? Yes, wow. that's him. That's Lemmy. Yeah.
1: Wild. And I think the cool thing about it is, I was thinking beforehand, how do you label them? And I think the cool thing is they really defy labeling. Because
0: well, they they're were, all over the place. Yes, they were one of the few bands that you know, punk and metal back then, in the late 70s, early 80s, like the the two did not cross paths. Like, they mm-hmm. hated each other. Right. But Motorhead mm-hmm. was one band like they were fast enough for the punks and rock enough for the metalheads so it's like that's one band that had a lot of crossover there absolutely
1: and uh oh everybody paul has his axe in his hands and well that
2: was going to say the one thing that lemmy did was he always used kind of one similar passage across the board <laughs> You know, a lot of octave work there, but it sounded Mm -hmm. so brutal on that damn bass, man. Yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Whatever his uh, setup, his rig, whatever distortion he's using, like, it always sounded killer. Mm -hmm. And he was always, he's a strummer, too. He's not one that, like, would play, you know... By strings, I think he played a lot of chords. Or mm-hmm. if he was playing single notes, he was definitely you know hitting them fast and hard. It wasn't like a plunk 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 kind of baseline. It
2: wasn't articulated for sure. Did you ever yeah. give Hawk, Hawkwind a chance at all? You ever listen to much of them?
0: Not really. I mean, I've you know listened to a song here or there, but it's you know it's mm-hmm. he really only he only sang on like one or two songs, I think. So. Mm-hmm. It's just really trippy stuff. Not really my thing.
2: Yeah, it's just interesting though to go back and listen to somebody's preemptive history before you know the the icon they became. Either way, yeah,
1: so cool. They well, became the icon over years.
2: Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what
1: I mean? So that just doesn't happen overnight.
2: No, absolutely. But it's still cool to see that evolution.
1: All right, so here's what we got to do, guys. We got to give Motorhead a rating out of five, and will we listen to Motorhead again? oh wait 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 wait. that's an album (laughs) i think we can both or all three of us say five and yes right
0: yeah i've got two motorhead shirts in my closet so i I think it's safe to say i'm a fan (laughs)
1: that's right yeah it's too bad for me and paul we didn't get to see him
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, you know, it was was bad because when they came that last time, I thought, oh, you know, I'm busy, but I'll try to catch them next time. Son
0: of a... I will, Steve, I will share this for you. At that Mayhem Fest, I went specifically to see Motorhead and Slayer. The Mm -hmm. headliner that year was Slipknot. I left before Slipknot came on. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: okay because you made it up. (laughs) <laughs> what yep, year was did.
0: that oh man uh, maybe
1: the all hope is gone probably
0: maybe but yeah so it was like uh motorhead were playing right at the tail end of daylight and then slayer came on and it was they had fire everywhere <laughs> and they sounded amazing and i was like well i'm good <laughs> <laughs> don't care about slipknot <laughs> Well, folks, that's
1: the show for tonight. We'll see you never again. <laughs> Monday has pissed me off and I quit. <laughs> 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 wah, wah. All right. Well, that was really cool. It just every time we get one of these 40th anniversary things, God, I feel old. No kidding.
0: Yeah, I really wanted to talk about it just because I love Motorhead and it was actually fell on today's date. So pretty cool. T- t- timely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and there just aren't many artists like him anymore.
0: No, very so, true. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, so it's nice we get to celebrate those guys.
0: And, of course, that brings
1: us to our album review, which could not be any different um, or any more different <laughs> than that. Uh, any of those records. Um, it is Poosfer, one of Maynard James Keenan's offshoots. And um, this one's called Existential Reckoning. And um, how familiar were you two with Pussifer before jumping into this one?
2: Very. It, being That's, a friend, it's kind of a pre- prerequisite when you're friends with Tony. Uh, correct. One. But uh, also, I was I was aware of it for some time. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Pussifer was on the, gosh, what's the name of those vampire movies with Kate Beckinsale? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Underworld, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if if I remember correctly, I think they were affiliated with the soundtrack work there. If not, at least variants perfect, of the lineup.
1: Was it that or a Perfect Circle?
2: Maybe both, for that matter. Because I remember yeah. Maynard was involved in in yeah. many fashions. So, yeah,
0: um, yeah I don't. Uh, this is honestly the first album of theirs I've listened to all the way through. I'm not. It's nothing I've ever really gotten into. uh, I for no particular reason, (laughs) just I don't know, just never have. So it's just one of those bands that passed me by, and I never went back to check them out. So I have no frame of reference whatsoever coming into this. Really,
1: well, um, the the first album V for Vagina was, you know, it kind of came across as a little silly, but. Since that point, I feel like it's become more serious and it's grown. Um, gets to display a different side of Maynard. Uh, the last album, uh, Money Shot, I thought was pretty much perfection. And so I had really high hopes for this record. Um, obviously, we, last year we just got uh, the last Tool record, which took 13 years. But of course, a lot of those years weren't any part of him. So uh, he's very busy and does all kinds of work. So I really had high hopes, and we got a couple of songs leading into this. He would released two songs before the album. Did you guys check those out as they came out? Um, no, I didn't, full disclosure.
0: Um, I think I listened to Underwhelming maybe once.
1: Did you find it underwhelming? Kinda. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Which really hurt, because... <laughs> You know, I was excited after the, the apocalyptical came out first and I had that weird video and it was like, OK, yeah, we're, this is this sounds cool. We got more synth. Um, This seems interesting. And it turns out that this was the instrument they were going to build the record around. And Paul, you probably know what the instrument is. I, I just know it is synth, but there was a specific one that they found and they decided they were going to use. And so apocalyptical, I thought was pretty cool. And then the underwhelming came out. And even Tony, who's not on the show tonight, who is an uber Maynard fan, said that he thought it sounded like the chorus and the verse never changed. When typically you sing one part and then the other one elevates or, go, you know, and it Mm -hmm. just sounded like the whole thing was one note. So even Tony thought that on that record or that song. So I don't know. Do you know the uh, instrument, Paul? Yeah,
2: I was looking at it to confirm it's the Fairlight CMI. And if I'm not mistaken, it's one that uh, Peter Gabriel used very heavily on his yes. iconic album.
1: Yep, that is correct. So, what did you think of it being synth? Because I know you love your synth.
2: Ah, oh, man, yeah, you know, if uh, people don't associate with me with synth, then I've got something <laughs> bad going on. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I really, I did enjoy the album. I, I thought it was different from the previous efforts as well. <clears throat> I, when I listened to it, though, it, it definitely was more background music to me being busy it wasn't something that really had a lot of super standout moments i definitely enjoyed uh the sound quality and and enjoyed the production style on it i thought it was kind of fun to hear some of those minimal elements with the synths and and them embellishing on top of it with the vocals and and everything but at the end of it all i felt like it wasn't very deep you know what i mean it just kind of passed through like if I were heard Song One and heard the last song, I don't think I would have the chronology embedded enough to know that you know, hey, we're building up, we're doing this, and you know this album's taking a journey for me and And I hate to say that because i I tend to like what they do. I just think that i I need to give it a couple more listens and see if anything really sticks with a little more gravity.
1: How
0: about your money? um yeah i would agree with a lot of that um actually <laughs> i actually listened to it with Lacey yesterday and that's what she said she was like this sounds like she's like i like it but it sounds like background music like there's and i agree with that 100 like there's nothing really that stands out you know from song to song it's not it's very good it's well done but it's just, there's this sameness that just kind of goes through the whole album. And so, I, I don't know. it's a, it, I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. Everything was well done, you know, well put together. Uh, you know, Maynard's voice is never hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I really enjoyed him. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of this band so i don't have a lot of you know other stuff to compare it to but i i enjoyed him singing with the female voice like that sounded really good together but it really is just like you know hey i i got a lot to do i'm just gonna put this on so i have some like pleasant noise in the background mm-hmm. and i i really i really feel like that's all that was for me like Mm -hmm. it's uh boring kind of is a word i threw out (laughs) a couple of times like "Mm, this is just kind of like yeah just kind of boring like i i don't i didn't find myself wanting to dig in a lot it just kind of let it play and go about my business
2: i'm really curious too go ahead steve no
1: no, go ahead be curious
2: all right uh, because I, they released i was looking online earlier and i just looked again they released you know the announcement about it mid september that it was going to release be released on october 30th so it makes me wonder when was this produced was, was this something that they were working on in the comforts of their own homes during the pandemic did they have time together at all pre covid or did they you know work on it together things like that because that can lend to the experience of creating the album too. I mean, I have friends throw tracks at me and I'll lay something on top of it, but, you know, jamming together is a different experience than, you know, just playing over tracks that were provided to you even. So I'm genuinely curious how, how this came together, uh, assembled virtually versus assembled in a, in an ensemble fashion.
1: It's too bad Tony's not on tonight because I'm sure he would have that answer. Uh, I'm sure he studied this. (laughs) Um, Texting and, him now. <laughs> now, so Monday used the word boring, and I actually said that it comes off as a little bit bland. Because it's when you put the lyrics to it, it's never truly boring, just because Maynard usually makes a good point. He's got an amazing vocabulary, and usually he says something that's important. So the second song, I, one of the coolest parts for me was an apocalyptical and it's the female performance. And it almost sounds like an instrument when she says, be damned, dumb, dumb, be dumb, damned. It's like back and forth. But it almost sounds instrumental. And I think that part mm-hmm. was really cool. But for me, and this, is, this isn't saying that anything's wrong, but it relies too heavily on synth. See, so, I... Did.
0: Go ahead, finish.
1: Well, what I was going to say is, I love synth when it accompanies a more typical structured song and it adds something to it. And then there are the elements where we add a little bit of texture or some crunch or some really neat effects. But I like those to be add-ons to the regular structure of the, the song, not the main part of the song. And I felt like every song was built around that. And so for me, that was a little bit of a
0: turnoff. Yeah, I that... <sighs> I feel like a lot of it is, it's just, it feels less like songs and more just like textures. Like the whole album is just like the synth is way out front. And, you know, if you listen, you hear the, you know, you hear guitar parts and this and that, whatever. But, and of course, you know, the vocals, they're, they're very, very well done. But, it, it, it's just, it's a lot of texture and not a lot of anything else. It just, that's why it, it's it feels more like just like ambient.
2: Crying in analog. <laughs> <laughs> no, Actually, I, think- I just got a response from Tony. He said, I, I believe they did most of this album apart, if that's what I was asking. So, hmm, interesting.
1: And, and I think what we're saying Monday is about the same thing. Yeah. Now, there were some cool moments. I, I don't want to say that I didn't, or that I disliked them. But, and, and I want to be honest, I gave it a very, I love first, so I gave this a lot of listens. And I told Monday earlier, I think I listened probably 15 times all mm-hmm. the way through. Every chance I got, I was listening to this. And I just, the, I, I couldn't get the hook. Um, I liked the first song, Bread and Circus. I thought it was a nice entry to the record, and I already knew Apocalyptical, so I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. Then it became the underwhelming, which I found underwhelming. And then from there, it just, for the next, it was a gray area theorem upgrade. All those to me were very bland. They just sort of just kind of connected all together and there was nothing distinct. And then it got to bullet train to Iowa. And that's the first one that jumped out. And I felt like, okay, this is different. He's singing differently. Um, This song has a little bit of punch to it as opposed to just that ambient sound we've been listening to. Um, and then I thought his singing on a singularity was really beautiful. And for me, that was another highlight. And then the last one was fake affront, which I thought could not have been more appropriate for the times we're living in, <laughs> mm-hmm. where he says far right, far left, same shit. You can drop the fake affront. I thought that was pretty clever. Hell yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I I found myself when I was listening to this it, it just every once in a while I would be like, "Oh, hey, that's pretty cool." And then just kind of you know, passively listening and then every every so often it'd be like, "Oh, what's that? Oh, that's cool." Okay. And then, you know, it was just like every once in a while something would grab me, but it just, you know, it couldn't really hold me the entire time.
2: Yeah. Would you say with our affinity for 9-inch nails that there are moments when Trent would have like brooding textural moments and we were just waiting for that build up, And then, you know, wham, heavy guitars, heavy drums, something, something that would kind of hit it over yep. the plateau and take us to the next level. I kind of felt like for me, mm-hmm. that this was that brooding moment consistently and I never got that
0: climax. Very not- much so. Yes. No payoff. It's like, yeah, I, I, I actually thought that when I was listening to this and like, I can see how fans of Nine Inch Nails might like this album. But, but yeah, like you're saying, there's just no payoff. There's no punch in. There, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just like mm-hmm. background textures and nice and re- pretty and ambient. Mm-hmm. It
1: reminds me of, um, I don't know if we ever got to do this on the show, but we were going to do Ghost, the last entry from Resner, And oh, yeah. it was the exact same thing. There were mm-hmm. some nice moments, but it just felt same. Mm-hmm. There was this oneness quality <laughs> where it didn't take off. And I feel like this is where that was, kind of in that same zone.
2: And I feel like that that's something that I, as a listener versus as an artist, wrestle with myself, because there's a certain level of discipline of keeping things scaled back with intention, too. And, you know, I could argue myself in circles about this day in and day out, but there's a certain itch that I'd love to scratch with, you know, something that kicks it into higher gear and and you know delivers that octane energy that i'm after but at the same time to keep things kind of brooding and scaled back kind of like a bob ross painting versus splatter art or something like that right you know there's a certain level of approach and and dynamics that have to be in play for those aesthetics to work and at the end of the day it's what we want to hear versus what the artist wants to convey, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, it, again, I'm not hating this album. I just think I need to listen to it with a different perspective. Okay.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's, <laughs> <laughs> <Hey, what? laughs> that's one way to look at, it. but I, I came into it wanting to love it because I love Lucifer, and I just can't wrap my head around it. It just sits in this comfortable zone to where the songs begin to blend And I wanted something more and that's probably not fair to the artist, but that's the way Mm. I felt. Yeah,
0: it's almost, it almost creates this feeling of anxiety because it kind of sits in this pocket where the sounds they're using and the tones and the, you know, the patterns they establish, they're very, they're almost ominous sounding. They're on the low end of the spectrum. But, and it, it, like, you know, like we were saying, you expect it to build to a certain point, but it never does. So you, there's always, it's almost like there's this anxiety that you're just like waiting and waiting and waiting, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What? And then nothing happens. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> and it probably doesn't help that we just came off of a Nothing But Thieves <laughs> record where every song builds to this climax this crescendo towards the end of every song where yeah. just belts it you know so
0: yeah that was very much yeah. the opposite end of the spectrum it's like every song had this huge build and it's like it even but then when you do that like i said when you do that every time it that gets old as well so <laughs> i i guess you just can't please any of us no we're fuddy duddies <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we are what 30 now yeah. I can't, remember. I can't even remember what, <laughs> what age I lied about earlier.
2: <laughs> Be right back. I'm going to go watch some Rugrats. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm before that. Brendan Stimpy. Um, should we share Tony's last comment here? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, in response to the uh, question about recording this apart, he said, I think the, he said on the, the Joe Rogan experience that they would find pockets where they could get together but it certainly did not seem like they all took three weeks and went off to a studio together. I think there's a lot of back and forth ideas and fleshing things out. So, um, yep. Yeah. uh, So
2: I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy times. And you know, it's interesting too because I've been watching a lot of YouTube channels, uh, well YouTube content on a particular channel, uh, two minutes to late night, which is, uh, guy named guarcenio hall and he has so good various artists come on and they do cover tunes and it's it's fantastic and it's everybody locked in their own locations and they play their tracks of course but then they go and they shoot a video to accommodate it sometimes they're goofing off in a park or they're you know in various locations and either way the songs are just badass you know And, and i think that the excitement of collaborating with friends is is very apparent in that and um of course i'm shooting from that angle with these guys where as with Pussifer, they maybe they were maybe after a different aesthetic hey you know what this is chaotic times it's let's let's be calming let's let's not you know even though it gave monday anxiety that might not have been their intent but you know, at the end of the day let's let's relax a little or something i don't know i'm just spitballing
0: at this point <laughs> Well,
1: I think yeah, the idea no, that they I wanted would have to change- say.
0: Oh, a event. Oh, sorry. I, I, like I said that, but I it didn't like make me feel anxious. That's sure. not what I meant. No, I, I That was I kind of an example of like, I was trying to illustrate the, like, you know, there's just no build. Like it just mm. stays in this pocket and you're waiting for something to happen. So that's all I meant by that.
2: No, I know. I know. But I'm just saying though, nonetheless, <laughs> the that's a possible reaction out there. Yeah. I'm in the weeds, man. I need to
1: quit. I I think, too, that they, <laughs> they found this instrument that they wanted to build a record around. And
2: that's mm-hmm. what
1: they did. And that's what they came out with. And it certainly isn't bad by any means. It's just I don't think hit us all in the sweet spot.
2: Yeah.
0: Right.
1: And so I with enjoyed- that in mind, let's yeah. uh, let's do some scores. All right. JCP?
2: Go for- I'm going to give it a 3.8. Um, again, I want to listen to it with a different perspective. I felt like the, the brooding and the textures were fun. Um, there's certainly some synth sounds that I was like, Ooh, yeah, I, I, I can pull that off with what I got. That's fun. I may have to kind of try to recreate those, you know, from that angle it was a lot of fun. But again, I just, there was an itch that wasn't getting scratched with some, some buildup and things like that. And of course, when you know Maynard, you know him from tool and that kind of thing. So there's always that subconscious hope of hearing something real intense but you know as an artist he's got different personas with his projects and this is very different from tool naturally and it's enjoyable but i just i just need to sit on it a little more and see if it grows on me all right monday
0: um i would probably i'd probably say three out of five i the more i listened to it the more i liked it um the first time through i really was just kind of overwhelmed with the waiting for something to happen but after that I was like okay so this is what we have so then i just listened to it with that mindset like just kind of you know dug in a little bit more it's it's very well executed uh, the production i mean it sounds wonderful but it, it's just kind of middle of the road for me it's not amazing it's not terrible but i you know i enjoyed it but it just kind of is what it is
1: will you listen again
0: Um, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I I definitely, it it makes me want to listen to their other stuff just so I have more of a frame of reference.
1: I'm going to say, and I was looking forward to this the most outside of Tony and wanted to definitely make sure that we reviewed this, but I'm going to go with a 2.5 because I had really high hopes. Um, I really wanted this to kind of rival, um, money Shot their last one from 2015. And I just, I don't think that it ever got there. There w- there was no Galileo or Agostina or Grand Canyon. Uh, they never reached earlier songs like The Humbling River or Toma. They're just There was something missing. I don't know if it was energy in the songs. Maybe it just felt too comfortable and safe. Maybe it's the fact that I don't love Synth on its own. I like it as an accompaniment, but I'm going to go with the 2.5, and to be honest, I'm likely not going to continue listening to this. I will probably go back and listening to the older records that I really like. So, sorry, Tony. Don't kick me out of the family. (laughs) Anyway. Very interesting. Um, Yeah, I'm going to definitely read
2: up on some of the intention with, with the Fairlight and kind of see where, where their heads were at with it. It's it's an interesting old instrument for sure. So kudos to them for acquiring it and in apparently good enough shape to to work. So that's the crapshoot with vintage gear these days. Sometimes you get something, you pay a lot of money for it and it may or may not function entirely well.
1: Yeah. All right. So um next week Monday you've got the uh review. What are we reviewing next week?
0: Next week? No, I mine I picked was for the 20th. Oh, I thought
1: it was next week. No. Oh, all right. So we have no idea what we're doing next week. <laughs> yeah. Man, so, we are on a tight schedule on this show. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey what are we doing on the 20th? For all of us.
0: <laughs> well, on the 20th, <laughs> uh, Killer Be Killed has a new one coming out. So it's a, kind of a metal super group. With members of Dillinger Escape Plan, Sepultura Soulfly, Mastodon, and I don't remember where the drummer's from. Me either. But yeah, so their first album was awesome. Really looking forward to this one, like what I've heard so far. So November 20th, new Killer Be Killed
2: looking very forward to that um excuse me i was going to give you guys some homework outside of here anyway so if it's something we want to talk about on the show next week that's cool if not no hard feelings either but one of my faves also uh cat and nick's from holy wars fave ken andrews of failure he released a nice little ep um a week or so ago called sword and shield the music video is awesome. You guys would definitely dig it. And it's a little different from Ken's typical outings, but uh, great uh, production, great tunes. And if you've never heard failure before, I highly recommend them just a nice, huge sound across the board. But uh, uh, even if it's something that's not show worthy, I, I challenge you guys to give a listen and hopefully enjoy.
1: Well, maybe we can do that and uh, throw in the new two new songs from System of Down. Maybe we can just do like a hodgepodge mishmash show and just talk about new music that we like. And maybe oh. we can even do a couple of the Holy Wars songs.
2: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think yeah, I think those are killer. I think it's Cat's birthday today too. I think uh, Michael posted about that. So if uh, at least around oh, cool. the past day or so, if so happy birthday out there in uh, absolutely in LA and. All that keep making kick ass music. We definitely enjoy it,
1: and perhaps we'll even review Paul's new version of uh, Beauty and Chaos, and um, we'll decide if we're ever going to listen to Paul again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you guys are stuck with me. I'm sorry. Sorry to say, spoiler
1: alert. No, 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 no. You don't understand. If we say we're not listening to you again, it's over, buddy. You're out. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for a selfless plug. Do it. Talk about it, Paul.
2: I don't want to talk about my plug. Oh, uh, you can find me on <laughs> Instagram at uh, Just Plain Paul. I'm hanging out there. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page, which is simply Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Uh, it's been a little neglected, uh, at full disclosure, been a little busy. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pay attention. Stop by, say, hey, we'll show some love.
1: i want to talk about your other project paul tell them about it
2: oh yes so (laughs) as he was saying my plug um worked on the remix for beauty and chaos the song the outside featuring ashton knight and uh, michael released a well beauty and chaos released uh, a remix album and it's called out of chaos comes and there was a limited edition two CD set. My remix was on the uh, second CD that was on there and a lot of really fun versions. Kid Electro from the first remix project did a couple of takes on there and there's some really cool versions of Steven Siebold's collaboration on there. And uh, it's also available for digital download on the Beauty and Chaos website. Uh, Not available on streaming services at this time, but we'll talk with Michael and get him on the show. And we can ask him if and when that will be available for streaming services.
1: Excellent. And we will post on the Facebook page links to get that record so you can hear JPP's best work. Yes, Absolutely. and
2: full disclosure um, with this project, I, I came out under a new project name, which is the Phoenix Supernova. It's kind of a, a, a look at sound from a different angle, much like Maynard with Pussifer versus Tool, things like that. So it's you know not only a new moniker, but it's kind of a new approach to production style too. Excellent.
1: Are you going to change any of your social media accounts to that particular name, Phoenix Supernova?
2: Nope, I've already just added an Instagram that's not uh, been fully implemented yet of the Phoenix Supernova. So in due time, I'll be posting some content there. But I'm working on a sample library for new material, all that fun stuff. So I'm really mangling a lot of sounds and just making things trippy and and fun for me. Mingling or mangling? Mangling, yeah. (laughs) That's a big difference. Hi, hi, uh, hip-hop beat, how you doing today? No, it's uh, it's certainly... uh, fudging with it that's that's what i'm trying to say
1: <laughs> excellent um monday where can we find you
0: uh just at on instagram at metalhead monday
2: yep i saw you posted our one year anniversary since we saw sacred reich too so last show did, we caught but, pre-covid
0: uh, yeah it was too long ago <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, it sure was. It seems like yesterday nope. and a lifetime ago at the same time.
1: Don't think about it because it's going to be a while.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, oh, and, and you can find me at Instagram and at Twitter at Foggy's Pal. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering at SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher. Is that it? Uh, oh. Google Podcast as well. Oh, yeah, over there at Google. Yeah, at Google. They, they do good business over there here. I, yeah, I hear. And we can also find you in the principal's office. You can, but not for the next two weeks. And <laughs> yeah. you can find the show at rock985.com. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And until next week, the Mish Mash episode. We will see you then. Bye now.
0: He's a puppies, man. Holy cow, I'm really Harry, Carey fan Lots of W flag upside down cuz he's mexican Joe right
2: Joe right 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 Joe